This is KMTT. Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. This is Ezra Bek. Today is Wednesday. Yud Gimel Elul, 13th day of Elul. And today's shir is the shir in Yud Gimel Midot HaRachamim, the 13 attributes of mercy by Harav Meish Tarigan. I'd like to take this opportunity to remind you once again, I know that many of the people, I can see from the numbers, many of the people are not registered to the mailing list. It's important because we do have announcements, sometimes the share is missing, and uh, new schedules, and then people write to me why something didn't take place, and we've already taken care of this in the mailing list. I think it's worthwhile to be included in the mailing list if you haven't subscribed yet. So you can either subscribe on the webpage at www.kimitzion.org, or just send an email message to kmtt at kimitzion.org and say you want to be on the mailing list, and we'll add your address to the mailing list. Uh, and now for the shear of Harav Moshe Tarigan. Having discussed the history, or the genesis, of the Yudhim Omidos, their unique role as the only tefillah which HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself constructed and personally demonstrated to Moshe, as well as guaranteeing that during a moment of crisis these tefillos would not be neglected, would not be ignored. Having discussed their role, let's turn our attention towards attempting to define the various Yudgimomidos. Before elaborating, before discussing these midos, these respective traits of a Baruch it's of course important to remind ourselves that at least according to the overwhelming majority of Rishonim, there is some debate, but according to the overwhelming majority of Rishonim, a person can't refer to the traits of a Baruch Hu in the classic sense of human characteristics or emotional traits in the same way that we refer to these traits in our own context. A Baruch Hu is not a product of time. He doesn't undergo change. He isn't an emotional being doesn't feel mercy at a moment subsequent to not feeling mercy he isn't affected by time he doesn't change he's eternal and we are allowed to imagine these traits and project them onto HaKadosh Baruch Hu, his presence in our world the actions he takes we're allowed to associate with the traits which we feel correspond if we see HaKadosh Baruch Hu feeding needy people that we associate that activity with mercy. If we see HaKadosh Baruch Hu allowing time for people to do tshuva, we associate that trait with tolerance and with uh, long temper. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't possess traits in the classic sense or in the conventional sense that human beings understand it. Nonetheless, in our own attempt to interact with HaKadosh Baruch Hu and relate to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we're allowed to imagine, we're allowed to so to speak, construct a relationship built on the premise, built on the relationship, built on the premise, built on the metaphor, as it were, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu actually possesses these traits. But the term Midos, as it applies to the Rabboni Shalom, certainly does not refer to actual character traits in the same way that they do with regard to human being. The first part of the list of Yudhima Midos there's actually an interesting debate as to whether it entails one or two of the thirteen. Are the terms Hashem Hashem? 
Shem Hashem Yud Kevavke is of course a classic prototypical reference to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's compassion to His mercy to meet us HaRachamim what's interesting in this trait in this Midah Hashem Hashem is its repetition the fact that the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, men- is mentioned twice the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah comments on this repetition Achas Kodem Sheyechta Hadam V'yachas Achar Sheyechta V'yashif the duality the repetition of Midas HaRachamim indicates a Kaddish Baruch Hu offering, providing mercy and compassion to a human being both prior to sin and subsequent to sin Kodem Shiachti Adam Liachar Shiachti Adam prompting many many Rishonim, in fact most Rishonim to count these as two separate traits, two separate Midas within the list of thirteen one refers to the situation prior to Chait. One refers to the situation subsequent to Chait. In fact, this position that the name Hashem Hashem entails two separate traits was popularized by the Rabbeinu Tam. Tosfos in Rosh Hashanah cites the Rabbeinu Tam that there are essentially two out of the thirteen traits refer to Hashem, Hashem, one before a person sins, one after a person sins. Many have supported or um, ratified the Rabbeinu Tam's position from a very interesting medrash in Psikta Rabosi surrounding the Pasuk Vatomer Tzion Azavani Hashem Hashem Shechani that just like there are two separate traits of Nidas HaRachamim each referred to by a different iteration of the name of Hashem during Galus, these two traits, these two aspects towards our relationship are cancelled. But Tomer Tzion, so Tzion assumes Azavani Hashem, that we've lost the first element of Midas Arachamim, Vashem Shrikhani, and Hashem, the second phase, the second layer of Midas Arachamim, um, no longer applies to Am Yisrael. Indeed, the Gaonim disagreed with Rabbeinu Tam. The Gaonim felt that Hashem Hashem entails only one trait only one Midah but certainly the simple reading of the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah is more supportive of the Rebbeinu Tamshita if each iteration refers to a different phase of Hashem's Rachanin then certainly it's more likely that they should each be counted as independent elements of the 13 Midah Sarachanin there's an interesting discussion amongst Rishonim and Rafarshim as to which of these two forms of Minas HaRachamim, the Rachamim prior to Chait, or the Rachamim subsequent to Chait, is as we would say the bigger Chidish, which is obvious, which is less conventional, or less, less obvious, as to be stated by the Gemara Rosh Hashanah. Many Rafarshim such as the Rosh in Rosh Hashanah, something echoed by the Gon, suggests that the Rachamim extended to a sinner after sin is classic. A person fails, and he requires Rahmanas, he requires mercy and pity from HaKadosh Baruch in order to facilitate the process of recovery and of Shuvah. It's the first iteration of Hashem. The Rachamim prior to Chait, which is, in this case, one can say the more pr- provocative, and the less evident of the two iterations. Why should a person require Rahmanas before he sins? 
The Rosh, for example, explains that HaKadosh Baruch Hu possesses absolute foreknowledge and understands and knows in advance that a person will sin. And despite that foreknowledge, HaKadosh Baruch Hu treats and judges a person based on current behavior, current achievement, doesn't base his judgment of individuals, his treatment of individuals, based on realities that he knows will absolutely occur. And that's the type of Rahmanas and compassion which HaKadosh Baruch Hu extends to people even prior to their sin. The Rabbeinu Hananel in Rosh Hashanah takes a slightly different strategy from the Rosh. According to the Rabbeinu Hananel, it is specifically the Rachamim subsequent to Chait, which is less evident, less understood, less um, classic. person fails to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem offers him the opportunity for tshuva, but not just for recovery, and not just for absolution, but the ability to restore the relationship as if chait had never occurred. HaKadosh Baruch Hu offers him midas harachamim subsequent to chait, and allows the relationship to be restored to the very same terms and conditions as it existed prior to chait. There is a some symmetry. The very fact that Hashem's Midas Rachamim prior to Chait is described with the same term as Hashem's Rachamim subsequent to Chait demonstrates that in recovering from disobedience towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu, an individual has the capacity to rehabilitate the relationship and restore the dynamic exactly to its original settings to recover the original purity, the original bliss, something which only a Kurdish Baruch can offer man. Within the human realm, when one person insults another person, certainly the victim can always exonerate, can always acquit, can always forgive, the criminal can always uh, waive his, uh, the indignity. But scars always remain, and the relationship very, very rarely returns to its original format, to its original depth. When a Kurdish Baruch Hu reiterates the term Hashem Hashem, he's establishing one of the magical aspects of tshuva, which we recite every Shabbos, every Monday and Thursday, in the end of Kriyas Torah, when we restore the Sefer Torah. The final Pasuk in Eicha, Hashivenu Hashem Elecha V'Nashuva Chadesh Yameinu Kikadem. Pasuk in which we implore a Kurdish Baruch Hu to enable our tshuva but we don't just seek tshuva we seek a complete restoration of our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to its original condition to its original state and according to the Rebbeinu Hananel the Lashon of the Rebbeinu Hananel in Rosh Hashanah Ki'ilu Lochat HaKlal we ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu to treat us not as repentant sinners but as perfect perfect subjects and perfect children of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So according to Rebbein Hananel, the novelty of this duality, of this double repetition, is not in the Rachamim extended to a person prior to his chait, but specifically in the Rachamim which is offered after a person fails, a Rachamim which allows a restoration of a relationship which only a Kaddish Baruch Hu can offer through the magic and through the beauty of tshuva. Interestingly enough, 
the Maharal in his comments to Rashi in Parshish Kitisa echoes this Rabbeinu Hanano but in many ways may be echoing the position of the Gonim that these two traits should be treated as one the Maharal writes as follows Hashem doesn't change and even if a person sins and disobeys Hashem retains His mercy and His compassion unlike a human being who is victimized by personal affront can never fully accept the tshuva and restore the relationship HaKadosh Baruch Hu is eternal and His Rachamim is extended even after a person insults Him the Maharal captures the Rabbeinu Hananel's perspective that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is unchanging in the Rachmanus that he extends and the relationship that he allows us to build with him and in some ways the unchangeability and eternity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu expressed by these two phrases Hashem Hashem may render them as one single Midah not necessarily two the unchangeability the permanence or the intransience of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Rachmanus which he extends to human beings by adopting the Benachanan al-Shita we may in many ways be supporting the position of the Gaonim that these two traits, Hashem, Hashem constitute merely one trait within the Yud Gimel Midas HaRachamim the question as to whether these two names of Hashem, these two Midas Hashem, Hashem, should be treated as one trait or as two traits it's not just a nominal issue as to how we count them how we understand them it may also have some practical implications Textually, in the Pasuk in Kitisa, the two words Hashem and Hashem are separated by a grammatical pause known as a psik. In some ways, this psik may evoke the position of the Benutam, that being that they are separate midas, but nonetheless they are written the same and they refer to the same trait of a Kaddish Baruch, or different phases of a Kaddish Baruch's mercy. So the Torah specifically separates them, divides them by a grammatical pause in order to underscore their independence, in order to retain two distinct phases and two distinct traits of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's mercy. The Rabbeinu Bechaye, in his comments to Parshish Kitisa, he demands that a person should pause between mentioning the first Shem Hashem and the second Shem Hashem. Perhaps a pause which accentuates their independence and is in sync with the position of the Rabbeinu Tam several Achronim debate this issue disagree with Rabbeinu Mechaye and allow the two traits to be recited without any pause perhaps evoking the position of the Gaonim the position which I mentioned in the name of the Maharal that they refer to one continuum and one consistency in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's treatment of human beings so in some ways this question as to whether they entail two traits or one trait may not only affect the meaning and how they're listed or counted amongst 13 but may actually impact the manner of reciting the Yud Gimel Midas or at least the first two of the Yud Gimel Midas the next Midah is the word the Midah of Kael Hashem Hashem Kael Rachum Becharan Rashi interprets the term Kael as a different variety of Amidas HaRachamim of Hashem of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's attributes of mercy this interpretation is atypical conventionally the word Yudke Vavke refers to Hashem's maintenance or Hashem's traits 
of rachamim, of compassion and pity and mercy. Whereas the word Elohim refers to the Midas Adin, Hashem's trade of justice and truth and judging human beings. But Rashi feels compelled to convert the word Kale, which though semantically or etymologically seems to be parallel to the word Elohim, Rashi converts the word Kale in the list of Yudgim Omidos in the Parsha and Kitisa into one of the traits describing HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Rachmanus, describing HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Midas HaRachamim. Now aside from the etymological or syntactical difficulties with this approach that the word kill typically refers to something similar to the word Elohim, a second problem emerges. How is the word kill describing a trait of HaKadosh Baruch Hu of Rachamim that's different from the trait of Hashem? After all, the word Hashem, the trait, the Mida Hashem, Hashem already described Hashem's Mida Sarachamim. Rashi doesn't elaborate on this issue. He quotes a Pasuk in Tehillim, Parak Chavbeis, Keli, Keli, Lama Zaftani, David Amelech, Christ, Akarish Baruch, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Presumably, that cry is a cry soliciting Akarish Baruch's pity and compassion. Another Pasuk in Tehillim, Perak Nun Beis, Pasuk Gimel, Matis Halel Bira'ah Gibor, Chesed Kel Kol Hayom. The Chesed of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is consistent, stretches through an entire day. Again, seemingly employing the term Kel in a context of pity and mercy, Chesed Kel Kol Hayom. So Rashi has ample proof for scattered psukim, particularly in Tehillim, in which David HaMelech does employ the term Kel, perhaps different from the term Elohim, in a context of a Baruch Hu Midas HaRachamim. But Rashi doesn't attempt to distinguish between the word Kel as a Midas of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Rachamim and the word Hashem. The Mepharshim of Rashi try to, um, so to speak, support or resolve this issue, in particular the Maharal in the Sefer Gor Aryeh, Alatara attempts to discriminate between different types of Akarish Baruchus Rahmanos, one denoted by the term Hashem and the other denoted by the term Kale. However, most Rishonim, most Mifarshim interpret the word Kale as referring not to Akarish Baruchus pity and mercy, but to a completely different trait, to Akarish Baruchus strength, to his authority, to his capacity. This is the approach which Tosvos in Rosh Hashanah adopts. This is the approach of the Eben Ezra. This is the approach, of course, of the Vilnagon as well. Why exactly are we invoking HaKadosh Baruch Hu's strength or authority within the list of Yudgim Midas, within the list of 13 Midas? Rashi and Bereshis, Laman Aleph Pasach Chavtes, cites the Pasach, in his commentary to the Pasuk, Lavan, so to speak, threatens or um, reminds Yaakov that he had the capacity and the strength to exploit him and to attack him, but Takarish Baruch Hu appeared to him in a dream and intervened and deterred such an assault. So Lavan tells Yaakov, Yesh le'el yadi la'sos imachem ra. I have the el, I have the power, the authority 
to have assaulted you. However, Akadosh Baruch Hu intervened and warned me against attacking. In his commentary to that pasuk, Rashi says as follows. I had the strength and the weaponry to have harmed you. Rashi comments, Kodesh, anytime the term El or Kel refers to Akarish Baruchu, Al Shem Izuz Virov Onimhu refers to Akarish Baruchu's strength and his capacity. In this case, of course, Lavan is referring to his own strength. But the term Kel or El can be utilized in two different but parallel functions. When it refers to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's used in a Kodesh form, and it's recited Kel. When it refers to human beings or other aspects, then it's called El, and it refers to Chol. But in either case, it refers to strength, it refers to potency, it refers to capacity. The Pasuk Tzidkascha Kaharei El, Mishpatecha Tehom Rabah, the term Harare El does not refer to holy mountains, but strong and imposing mountains. Ironically, even though Rashi himself interpreted the word Kel as it appears in Kitisa, as referencing one of Midas Harachamim, Rashi in Bereshis, Perak Laman Aleph, reminds us that the term Kel, when employed, describing HaKadosh Baruch Hu, refers to his strength. The Vilna Gon believes that we invoke HaKadosh Baruch Hu's strength in an effort to encourage him, in an effort to plead with him to suppress his anger and to withhold penalty and punishment. We request that HaKadosh Baruch Hu be kovesh his own kas, be kovesh his own anger. Reminiscent of the very famous Gemara in Brachos, Davzayin, the Gemara claims, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Mishum Rabbi Yossi, Minayin Shakadosh Baruch Hu mispalel. How do we know that Hashem prays? After citing a Pasuk to prove that HaKadosh Baruch Hu prays, the Gemara inquires further, what is the content of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's prayer? What is Hashem praying for? So the Gemara concludes that Hashem davens every morning as it were, and he says, Yihiratzon, it should be my will, Sheyichbashirachami eskasi, that my mercy and pity should overwhelm, suppress, should contain my anger. Viagolurachami amidosai, and my compassion should uh, surpass or uh, transcend my midos, and I should treat my children with mercy and pity and extend to them favors which they may not deserve. According to the Vilna Gon, this is our primary intent when we invoke the word kale to refer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's strength, as it were. The famous Mishnah in Perkeyavos is Gibor who is truly strong, Hakovish is Yitzro, someone who has the capacity to behave against the grain, to suppress his natural instincts or emotions. And as it were, we request from HaKadosh Baruch Hu that he should behave similarly, that he should be strong enough, Kael should be strong enough to suppress his anger and treat us with mercy. In fact, the Rabbeinu Hananel, in that Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, Daf Yud Zayin, which enumerates the Yud actually mentions that Moshe Rabbeinu himself, when he went up to Shemayim, heard HaKadosh Baruch Hu reciting this tefillah, which is documented by the Gemara in Brachos Davzayim. Gemara Brachos doesn't tell us the source of this tefillah. The Rabbeinu Hananel claims that Moshe Rabbeinu himself heard HaKadosh Baruch Hu davening to himself, 
endeavoring, so to speak, HaKadosh uh, Baruch Hu doesn't endeavor, but these are terms that we are allowed to use to imagine HaKadosh Baruch Hu endeavoring to suppress his anger and to extend Minasarachamim to Am Yisrael. And if you're hearing this tefillah, Moshe has sort of associated that tefillah with the word kale. This is the Vilna Gon's explanation for why we include a term which refers to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's strength. The Ibn Ezra has a slightly different perspective as to why we invoke HaKadosh Baruch Hu's strength. The Ibn Ezra, in his parish HaLatara, suggests that we are reminding, or we are reinforcing the sense that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the, the final authority, the being who is empowered to forgive us and to absolve our chatayim. So before we launch into an extended attempt to receive HaKadosh Baruch Hu's rachamim, we first establish the fact that he's authorized, that he's the sole being who can extend this rachamim. The Gemara in Sanhedrin, when Daf Kuf Yud Aleph, the Gemara in Daf Kuf Yud Aleph Omid Beis, describes Moshe ascending to heaven in Parsha Shlach and interceding or attempting to intercede on behalf of Am Yisrael to stave off their annihilation after the Chet HaMaraglim. The Pasuk, of course, which appears in Parsha Shlach, the Atah, Yigdalna koach Hashem kasher dibarta should be strengthened. Moshe is asserting Akharish Baruch's authority and strength to forgive or to atone for Am Yisrael's uh, mishaps or Am Yisrael's failures. In fact, the Rabbeinu Bachaye, in the end of Parshas Baloscha, during the episode where Miriam is stricken with Tzeras, Moshe intercedes on her behalf. Very famous pasuk in Bamidbar, Perak Yud Beis, pasuk Yud Gimel, Kel Na, Rifa Na La. Here too, Moshe employs the term Kel, not the term Yud Kevavke. And Abayin Abachaya writes Kel Shakoch Biyadcha. Moshe is asserting that Hakadosh Baruch has the capacity to heal and to repair Miriam. So interestingly enough, when, um, in these two instances, Moshe Rabbeinu asserts HaKadosh Baruch Hu's strength as a premise or a pretext to his tefillos. In Parshas Baloscha, he actually employs the term Kel. In Parshas Shlach, he doesn't employ the term Kel, but he does describe HaKadosh Baruch Hu's koach. So according to the Vilna Gon, we're asserting HaKadosh Baruch Hu's strength in overcoming or suppressing, restraining his anger against us. Whereas according to the Evan Ezra, and several other Rishonim, Bali Atosos appear to have taken this approach referring to Hashem's strength. Tosos in Rosh Hashanah, in a footnote to Tosos, mentions HaKadosh Baruch Hu's particular strength and potency in providing food, according to Pasuk in Tehillim, providing nutrition to all living creatures. Parak Kufdalit, HaKathirim, Shoagim, Lataref, Ulevakesh, Mekel Ochlam. Here the word Kel refers not to Midas HaDin in the formal and conventional sense, but to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's strength and omnipotence in providing nutrition, food intake to an entire universe. Why exactly that's mentioned, or would the Yedgimomidos in particular be referencing HaKadosh Baruch Hu's delivery of Muslim, particularly at such an early stage of Yedgimomidos, is somewhat questionable. Tassus doesn't really uh, address this issue. Other Tassus claim that it refers to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's strength and authority in issuing honest and accurate justice and judgment, the Me'iri seems to take that approach and is perished to Tshuva and Ischibur HaTshuva in the second volume. These are all opinions which are more or less similar to the Evan Ezra's suggestion 
that by invoking the term kill, we're referring to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's strength, not his mercy, as opposed to Rashi, and his strength in particular in conducting our judgment and hopefully in providing us with absolution and penitence. So these are the first two midos of the Yudgyo Midos, Hashem Hashem, the Midas Arachamim, the classic Midas Arachamim. What's notable about the term Hashem Hashem is, of course, their repetition. The Gemara in Rosh Hashanah asserts one term of Hashem refers to the situation prior to sin, one refers to the situation post-sin. There's several different perspectives as to why they're repeated, but more important perhaps than the perspectives themselves is the actual symmetry. HaKadosh Baruch Hu extends the very same degree of Rachamim to us prior to our failures, as well as after we fail, that in our relationship with Hashem alone, we have the capacity not just to recover, but to restore original innocence and purity. The second me does the term kill. Amir Hashem, future Shirim, will continue to describe the list of Yudgimomidas. You've been listening to Havad Moshe Tarragin on Yudgimomidot Arachamim. Tomorrow's Shir will be the Shir of Harav Khan, Harav Yaya Khan, and Hilchot Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, Hilchot Yimim Noraim. Until then, have a good day. Kol Tov. You've been listening to KMTT, the Torah podcast. Ki Torah, Hashem